Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Bostecu. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame, and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello, please. This episode is with a truly extraordinary guest. One of you, actually, a listener, got in touch um, to recommend a particularly interesting guest to me. And that happens all the time, but in this case, oh my God, did the guest seem particularly amazing. Not only that, but she said yes. So I'm hoovering here with Pip Hare, an incredible record-making British yachtswoman and journalist who completed the solo round-the-world race, the Vendée Globe, in 2020 in 95 days. Whoa! Sailing round the world on her own. Yes, please. And as you can imagine, I had a lot of questions about how you would eat during that. Um, first things first, though, I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast. If you want to do it a favour, you can tell other people about it. When I say it, I mean me. <laughs> One way to tell other people about it is verbally. One way is on the social medias. The podcast is on there, at The Hoovering Pod, on Twitter, Instagram. It's on Facebook even. Ugh. You can give it a five-star review. That helps people find it um, and subscribe to it. That makes everyone's life easier. If you've got spare money and want to support the podcast financially, you can do that too. Go to patreon.com forward slash The Hoovering Pod and you'll see where I will swap you a brilliant podcast-related gubbins for your hard-earned cash from as little as two quid a month for things like guest recipes and exclusive content. If you want to throw the podcast a one-off amount, you can do that through Acast supporter. If you want to try Oddbox, which is where I get my wonky fruit and veg from that supermarkets have rejected or was surplus, if you're in or around London, you can get a tenner off your first ever box using a link that's either in my podcast notes, along with um, links to everything interesting we mentioned in this podcast, or it's in the bio of the podcast Twitter account. I already said it's at the Hoovering Pod. 
which makes it, I think, about two or three quid for your first ever box, which is a bit good, isn't it? Right, let's go. Pip and I hoovered over Zoom, and to bring home the reality of eating as a solo yachts wizard, she was kind enough to send me in advance some of her special extra light freeze-dried full whole on actual proper lunch that you get like in a bag that you pour boiling water into that sort of business so we're both having the same one of that for lunch sadly not at sea in our respective homes oh god i had so much to ask are you in brighton are you paul paul <gasps> yeah my sister lives in brighton oh really yeah i um i'm from swanage are you really yeah what a small <laughs> world are you from dorset <laughs> Not originally, no. no. From, uh, I'm from East Anglia, so I was born oh, okay. in London, grew up in Cambridgeshire, but I've been living here for about seven years. I think it's home now. I think. Um, yeah, really. I think that counts totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, lovely! I didn't realise you lived in Pool. I'm very homesick at the moment. So oh, for, the, just... for the sea, actually, funnily yeah. enough. I went swimming the other day. Oh, freezing! God. Did you have a wetsuit or are you just hard as oh, nails? Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I got a swimming wetsuit to do the Great North Swim one year. And, um, well, first, actually, I bought the wrong wetsuit and tried to go for a swim on New Year's Day in a surfing wetsuit. And that was comical. You can't move your arms, really, can you? It was really hard. And um, But I've, I was shocked at um, how warm it kept my body, but how... Um, my face was so cold that it was unbearable. I couldn't keep my face in the water. I don't know how people manage no, that. I, I can't get my head under, but um, but I, obviously I've been away for the winter, but, but yeah. the, the guys that I swim with, they've all kind of just kept doing it through the summer and the winter, and so oh, they don't have really? a problem. So they're, yeah, I do know a lot of people who've... Um, for lockdown, taking up outdoor swimming, seeing as it's one of the few things we can sort of get away with doing. Right, I've got my notes here. Thanks, by the way, so much for sending me um, s- sailor's food. I really hope you're not too disappointed. <laughs> I'm not in this to have the best lunch of my life. That's a good uh, job then. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like this is as close as I'll ever get to, te- to testing astronaut food like it is um it is amazing you, you've been a, a professional sailor for 25 years um and that and and you go on your own on a speed racing yacht totally on your own and go all around the world racing and so you have to I, I mean I was I was happy to just spend an hour listening to what you eat but is it is it mainly this then freeze-dried meals yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, so there's a couple of things we have to think about. One is weight is really important. Yeah. The Vendée Globe was 13 weeks. And so I had to take 13 weeks worth of food and anything heavy slows the boat down. Yeah. So so there's weight to consider, but also volume um, because you've got to move all of this stuff around all the time. So it needs to be low volume. Um, And and then my cooking facilities on board, literally just a jet boil. That's all I've got. Just a what, sorry? A jet boil. So it's right. a, it's a, an aluminium um, mug, essentially, with fins on the bottom, and you attach a burner to it, right. and it heat, heats water in two minutes. <gasps> that's all it ha- does. Surely the water's blooming heavy. Well, I make water. So oh, I've got, I've got wow. a 
desalinator, which takes seawater and forces it through um, a ceramic filter at ultra high pressure. And that just takes all the salt and the minerals out of the seawater and you just get left with kind of really empty water. It's like distilled water almost. Yeah, like, um, well, it, it tastes quite funny, doesn't it? That very, very pure water. Yeah, it doesn't taste like the water we know at all. Yeah, and, and you think of water of tasting of nothing, but actually you realise it does have flavours when you try p- pure water. I'm only aware of it in the context of having spoken to people who um, who make fancy salts, you know, for chefs, because mm. as part of the process of getting the salt out of seawater, it's the same thing, but then they also are able to sell the pure water at the end of it to people to make tinctures and you know it goes on amazon as something that can cure you of all all skin disease etc etc yeah there's all sorts of things you can do with it yeah i was gonna say get the old um get the yeah oh brilliant okay so you turn so you turn seawater into drinkable water and then boil it and add it to very light pouches of food yeah that is and and i mean for 90 something days that's all you eat. Well, it was yeah, yeah. It was ninety-five days for this one-day globe. So oh, yeah, so amazing. <laughs> so I'm in awe. I feel very honoured to be getting to talk to you. I don't know how I'd do you. So I, I mean, I've got a million questions. I want to know. Um, oh, I, I just don't know everything. Um, so obviously, it's about minimising the weight of the cargo. But and, and are there do you? Is there, do you have to change your eating much in the run-up to it? Let's say in the long-term, the short-term run-up to a huge race like that, like a 13-week race like that. Do, do you have to... Would you start incorporating this types of thing into your day-to-day life in advance of it, just so that it doesn't send you too crazy quickly into it? Or is it actually a case of like, no, while I'm on land, I will eat nice, solid, whole 3D food, please? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I So I did change my diet in the year before the Vendée because um, I wanted to put on, I knew I was going to lose weight yeah. during during the race. So um, I changed to a really high protein diet. It was horrible, actually. I really hated it. To try and bulk up a bit before you went so that there was something yeah. to, to lose, basically. Crikey, yeah, okay. to, to bulk up, to increase my muscle mass. Yeah. Also, just just to get heavier before the race um but uh and and then i did some trial days with my menus just to make sure that i wasn't taking food that i would really hate after two weeks of course um but other than that no you kind of just yeah i mean it it's not bad it's actually not bad but then you can't you're so in you're so involved in what you're doing yeah food for me is if it's hot, it gives me comfort because yeah. most of the time I'm cold. Um, and obviously it staves off hunger. But the rest of the time, it is it is a question of fueling. Yeah. It, it, but, 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 you know, having said that, uh, freeze-dried food, especially vegetarian freeze-dried food, has come on in leaps and bounds in the last, say, five years. Really? Because, yeah, five years ago, you'd have like two two things you could choose from and that's it so crikey and have you always been vegetarian um since I was about 15 um 
but on and off, like I went when I was in my um, early 20s, I lived in New Zealand for a bit and I think I would have died if I'd been a vegetarian <laughs> there at that time. <laughs> it does feel like a global thing that actually the whole world has cottoned on to a million reasons to eat less meat, if not none meat. And it does feel like, I mean, it even used to be like you couldn't really go on holiday to France or they'd say, yeah, we've got vegetarian stuff and it would be full of ham. And they'd be like, it's only ham. Um, yeah, I had yeah. the same thing. In, I, li- I lived in South America for a while and, yeah. and a vegetarian barbecue there was chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Where in South America was that? In Uruguay. Oh, wow. I've never been to Uruguay. It's a cool place. Really mm. cool. Yeah, I've only been to Central America, not South America. But um, yeah, it was it was the sorts of adventures where every every third place I went to, I thought, yeah, I could live here. Yeah. Which is yeah. <laughs> which doesn't happen on lots of sort of travelly travelling, does it? As much as it does on holidays, because how nice it would be to live on holiday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's amazing. Okay, so um, well, I've got lots of questions based on the things you've just said. In terms of the bulking up and the lots of protein, one, did, how did you find that to achieve being being vegetarian? I think a lot of people assume you can't really protein load if you are vegetarian, which obviously you can. I mean, I don't know if it's a case of actual putting protein dusts into things or whey and stuff like that. Or um, and and did you have? Well, you said building muscle mass because I'm a I love I'm a weightlifter. So did you have to do sort of any weightlifting as part of bulking up? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and did you not enjoy it though? That bit. I did. I really enjoyed it actually. First time ever. Like, really. For, for my whole career, I've always kind of had this. Um, I guess this idea that that to get sailing fit, I need to go sailing. Yeah. I'm a big runner as well. I love running, and that oh, gives wow, me okay. my endurance cardio but on the Amoka because that boat is so big you know it's 60 foot long with 600 square meters of sail so that would yeah. cover three tennis courts <gasps> when it was all laid out and I have to manage that all on my own yeah and so I kind of realized that with that boat I couldn't just rely on my inherent strength I needed to build build strength but also get really good technique because I was pulling around sails in their bags that weighed about 90 kilos. Crikey. Well, there's loads of people that can't deadlift 90 kilos, let alone actually sort of hoik it around, you know, and, and whilst not breaking anything, you know, hoiking very heavy, precious cargo. And that that's the thing is actually not injuring yourself. So yeah. I, I think where the weight training really, really helped me was actually on having good technique. Um, right. But I did... I did really enjoy that part of it. And, and when lockdown, when lockdown happened, I, I, I mean, I had to carry on training, so I yeah. just invested in a load of weights. Great. Well, they got a lot garage. more expensive, annoyingly, as well. Oh, oh yeah, they? They did. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to carry on doing it for sure. Oh, that's so cool. Yes. <laughs> um, Oh, how amazing. Yeah, they, they just got really expensive during lockdown to the extent where normally, you know, um, it'd be sensible enough. I live in South East London and it'd be like, I probably won't leave my like microphone and computer out if I'm going out like with the curtains open. And then actually in this last year, it's been a case of going, probably don't leave the barbell and the, <laughs> and the 10s or 15s out, actually. Say uh, <laughs> scrum diddly umptious. And then you can be in my podcast. Oh, I'm really glad you enjoyed the weightlifting. Um, And okay, so um, did you experience times of, I mean, you must have experienced times of hunger, 
it's just over the length of time. The only thing I've got to compare it to in terms of adrenaline is from a comedian's point of view or a performer's point of view is doing the Edinburgh Festival or doing a very long theatre run, I suppose, with some types of actors where you've got so much adrenaline that even if you're somebody who really cares and about food and loves food and thinks about food all the time, when you're that full of adrenaline, you don't as much. Like it does... It does something to your appetite, doesn't it? It just sort of yeah. crushes it away a bit. But, but does that last over the course of all of those weeks? Or is there a lag point in the middle sometimes? Are there ever times where you had sort of a very conscious hunger for something you weren't able to have in that situation? I guess there's a number of a number of things about that. So, so one is that, that that adrenaline is, it's present, it, it kind of just is, it fluctuates. So mm. I would say... It, there is a an amount there all the time that it, it spikes and so you know at the start and and I would say for the first three or four days as you're really adjusting um you're just on hyper alert all the time and actually you know I had a planned menu that I was supposed to stick to and I was really really struggling to eat all the food I was supposed to eat oh okay to just yeah because you just wanted to get on with the sailing I guess yeah well yeah and and also it just my mind was too you know my mind was too busy to, to think about eating um and so you know I didn't eat as much as I should have done and then and then you kind of settle into it and then your meals, you know, become, you're a lot more structured about it. And, and I made a conscious effort to try and eat all of my food every day. I had a 10-day rolling menu so I wouldn't get too bored with it. Yeah. But then, you know, you get into an, another event. So my first massive storm in the Southern Ocean when I literally stood, I, I was so excited slash terrified the boat was going faster than it ever been before and I literally I just stood I think I must have stood for about a whole hour just frozen staring at the instruments kind of with one hand on the on the ladder to get out of inside of the boat and then the other hand kind of on the remote control for the autopilot and I just didn't know what to do with myself because I didn't know if I should be on deck I didn't know if I should be down below your brain is saying, you've got to sleep, you've got to eat. This is going to be like this for two days, for three days. And oh, like, my almost God. Almost paralysed by this, like, intense kind of anxiety, adrenaline, excitement. But the longer that goes on, you know, you something has to give. So eventually yeah. it becomes normal and you go, mm, yes, I could do something to eat. And- well, also those feelings, I mean, that intensity of whatever, serotonin release, fight or flight mode you know sustained over an hour of that also I mean ironically as much as it's like the the most distracting thing from hunger ever is absolutely burning calories essentially isn't it I mean it's yeah I mean and I I didn't I lost I lost eight kilos on this race fucking hell (laughs) oh my god I'd planned I mean I'd planned to lose five maybe but I didn't realise how much weight I'd lost because in the Southern Ocean, like the temperature is sort of five or six degrees and that's inside and outside because the door is open all the time. And and you're just, you're covered in clothes. I changed my clothes every 10 days if I was lucky. Changed the bottom there every 10 days. You know, you A lot of people have been living like that anyway in lockdown, Pip. (laughs) 
that's the one bit of training I've probably done by accident for one of your races. It's all very relatable. (laughs) I just didn't, you know, when you don't, when you don't look at your body, when your body Mm. is doing what you expect it to do, but you don't actually ever look at it and you're just, you know, wearing waterproofs all the time, then there's no point of reference to see that you've lost weight. And my face was changing, that it was changing every day and so yeah, well, also you're too busy to stop for a selfie every half yeah. an hour so it's not like you're, you're sort of taking you've got bigger things to worry about yeah, yeah. oh and, god and but also if you're hemorrhaging weight like that then that's gonna make you even colder right well i think i i'm acclimatized i, I yeah. one of the things i was really worried about with the southern ocean was being cold because i hate yeah. it right. but i wasn't i wasn't massively right. cold which is weird I mean, I'm going to get boring saying it, but I think you're amazing. (laughs) Okay, well, I mean, if anything else springs to mind, and we'll try these, do you think these are cooked yet? I think they probably are, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, give it a good stir. Have you got the same as me? I've got Mexican Mexican style quinoa. I thought I would eat the same as you because otherwise... Oh, my God. I think I'm really going to like it. It looks, it does look really comforting. I'm going to take a picture of mine. It is comfort food. I would say it's comfortable. I mean, that's exactly what you need when you're freezing it out on your, on your boat. Woohoo! It smells good. Tomato-y. Sweet corn, kidney beans. See, red quinoa, normal quinoa. There's a bit of um, peppers in there as well, I think. Oh, is there a lovely job. Mmm. I like eating out of a bag as well. <laughs> But you have to. What do you do with your litter? What do you do with your litter out there? You have to wash it. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I take it back with me. But um, oh, I bet some people just pop it in the sea, do they? Well, we do. All the boats get inspected at the end. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I mean, if you if 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 you were chucking rubbish in the sea, you'd you'd, you'd, get. you'd get disqualified for sure. That's so good to know from a care of the planet point of view. It's but, in international um, racing rules. Is it? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. I'm so happy. God, wow, good guys. Good guys bothering that in the rules. Um, what do you think? I actually really like it. <laughs> you were made I to do. say all then, weren't you? <laughs> Should I have a go at it? <laughs> yeah. I'd be fine at the bulking up bit. I don't know if I'd manage to lose eight kilos. I'd be distracted by how peckish I was. You see, if you could do you reckon you could... I'm trying to think of really light chocolate that you could sneak into your backpack. Just one, just one Kit Kat chunky ready for. Oh, when I didn't finished. take any chocolate with me at all. Yeah. Because I can't, I can't control myself. Oh, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like it. It's really salty. Is that on purpose? Mm. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Just to mineral you up. Yeah. You also sent me a peppermint tea, like a legend, and my favourite one, that pucker one. Oh, it's good, isn't it? Delish, but it's really nice. What? It's a perfect drink to have with a super salty um, lunch from a silver bag. I feel like I'm um, on a camping holiday, having it out <laughs> the bag. It, this is the closest I think I've had to a holiday for years. This, this one mm. actually is quite good. I think I, mm. I did get a little bit fed of... Um, Mexican style couscous smash right. quinoa by the yeah. end. Mm-hmm. There are a couple that tasted really similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a bit fed yeah. up of those. Like guys, I've been to Mexico and it doesn't all taste <laughs> the same. 
There's a lot. They've got a lot of different <laughs> flavors in Mexico, and this is. Oh, I like it. No, it's doing. It's it's doing the job, isn't it? Mhm. Oh, I'm into it. And it's not like one note. I mean, basically, I'm a really big fan of salty things, far more than sweet things. I wonder then. I want to know. You're saying that about chocolate. This made me wonder, because I find with chocolate. Uh, I don't care about sweet things very much, but I do love chocolate. But I have to be in the mood. Um, and I find, I think, you know, as a general philosophy, I think people should eat in a way that makes them happy and not be very... That I don't believe in um, sort of punishment and reward and rules and all of that stuff. It's, for most people, quite a miserable way to live. But I find that with chocolate, having said that, for me, if I leave it ages, just... Coincidentally, you know, I didn't fancy chocolate for ages. If you don't have chocolate for a long, long time and then you have chocolate, it tastes like something a wizard has invented. Like it doesn't take long of not having it, you know, maybe a couple of months for when you have some for it to be like, <gasps> it's like it's the first time you had it again. So I can imagine there were some things when you got back or when it, when you do get back from your long, long races that just taste extraordinary, do they? It's I, What I really crave is always yeah. fresh fruit and yeah. cherry tomatoes anything that that anything that has you know a huge amount of juice inside it mm. or just you know the way a cherry tomato bursts in your mouth when you open it and and when I got off so they asked me when I got in from the Vendée they asked me what I wanted as my first meal and I just said fruit um and I had a plate with sliced mango and pineapple and kiwi and mm. I literally I I shocked the people who were in the room with me I literally kind of put my mouth close to the plate and just hoovered it all in just <laughs> in a breath it was so just to have something with that moisture and that flavor was just mm. I miss it so much and actually if you've been having kind of salty hearty comforting hot food all those fruits you've described as well have got a really gorgeous acidic freshness to mm. them haven't they they're, yeah. even cherry tomatoes they're all things that you know if you were having in a non your sport context you might even add a salty component or a creamy component because of how acidic they are and actually they're the antithesis so oh yeah i can i can imagine the sweet glorious relief of those acidy sweet fruits after that long a stint at sea um and you said you're from east anglia i'd love to know about eating growing up um for you whatever shapes or forms that took um so i'm from a reasonably large family um there's four kids mm -hmm. we're all quite close there's six years between us um <clears throat> and so eating was always you know a family affair um, always sitting down around the table it was a bit of a battleground uh, everyone eating you know as much as they could as quickly as possible um, <laughs> get in now while you've got the chance and I guess um, I suppose for sort of early family food I don't I don't remember particularly other than lots of casseroles and roast dinner on a Sunday and you know, we were, if we were really lucky, we had sausages and mash, which was like a favourite. Um, nice. And then I remember when when we all got to the teens with the we got a microwave oven, and I think my mum worked when we were kids, yeah. as well as my dad. And I think she just one day she just got 
utterly fed up with cooking for a load of ungrateful teenagers and the microwave meal arrived in our house but it wasn't it wasn't the go to the supermarket and buy a microwave meal it was yeah. uh, the leftovers from whatever meal yeah <laughs> <plated> up <laughs> and uh, and then we all fairly rapidly learned to cook ourselves <laughs> sailing at 16 or something as well though so that's sort of when I that was when I really got my passion for it right I, I'd been I'd been sailing since I was a baby because my wow. gran, my grandfather had like a 24 foot wooden boat and we used <gasps> to go down to spend time with him and then my mum and dad inherited it and so I've grown up around the water but not really hardcore sailing it yeah. was more kind of just you know going ashore and making rope swings and dinghies and that sort of thing. And um, when I was 16, I went on a sailing holiday that was sort of by young people, for young people, and just, I just fell in love with the uh, the freedom, really. You know, when you're 16, you want to do loads and you can't do anything. But yeah. somebody sticks you in a boat and says, you're in control of where it goes, how fast you go, how slow you go, you're responsible for the risk. You know, it's a really big thing to give a 16-year-old. And I just, that was it. I was hooked. Also, oh, it's glorious to hear. It's And also at 16, you're, um, well, in the same way that, you know, when 17-year-olds learn how to drive, they're pretty fearless. You have such a tiny concept of your own mortality as a teenager. It's one of the great things, one of the few great things, really, about being a teenager. Like you say, other than that, you have so little agency, but you're so desperate for it. But that actually, you know, what a great time to be taking up something that requires so much bravery and or like fearlessness, I suppose, about scariness of it, the danger of it. But um, amazing to have just maintained that into being a grown up. Because <laughs> <laughs> be, I found I've got I've got scaredier, a, bit, a scaredier driver as I've got older have you got more fear as you've got older or or not actually because you just carried on doing it the whole time Um, I am frightened by things Mm. um but there aren't a lot of things that I wouldn't try um wicked so but I got so in 2018 though I was knocked off my bike and I am I'm I'm scared of riding on the road now like I, I do it but I hate it yeah but I mean, other than that, I'll pretty much give anything a go. You're brilliant. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. 
jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. What's the swankiest thing you've ever eaten? I don't know that I have done much swanky eating, to be honest. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've eaten in some really amazing places. Like, yeah, um, I was going to say, Paul's got some snazzy places now, hasn't it? It has, yeah. Yeah, we've got some nice places here and and I've been and had, I think one of the nicest places I've had lunch ever is a, a restaurant um, in Antigua, on the place <gasps> on Pigeon Beach in Antigua. And... <sighs> And just going there and having Sunday lunch with a really cold bottle of rosé and mm. that's nice. Yes, please. <laughs> um, have you ever accidentally eaten anything that's not food? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure loads and loads of things. Yeah, loads of, I, I, I like. I'm constantly eating the stickers off apples. But why are there stickers on apples? <laughs> It's so there. true. It's so true. I um, I had a jacket potato last night, and um, I found like a little bit of a sticker in my ratatouille on the side of that. I I think they're even putting stickers on some jacket potatoes now. It's funny, isn't it? Three-year-olds love a sticker. The rest of us, we're fine without a sticker. Yes. I trust you. I trust you from the label. What type of apple it is? Yes, but the yeah. the, the other thing is that sometimes we. If there's a problem on the boat and there's water inside the boat, Uh-oh. sometimes you need to know whether it's salt water or fresh water. Oh, so I have, have to test it. I have tasted bilge water quite a lot. Oh, no. <laughs> Amazing. I often ask people if they've ever had a patch where they eat the same thing every day, but of course you have. <laughs> You've had to have a pouch for lunch every day for m- months, actual months. Um, is there anything in normal day-to-day life that you would say that you eat in a particularly ritualistic way like there's um a lot of people the stereotype is cabbage cream eggs isn't it like how do you eat yours but i mean anything from as simple as like there's a particular food that you think demands to be eaten particularly slowly or i know lots of people are quite funny about how they eat a twix anything like that so i can't eat food slowly i I really enjoy my food. <laughs> and and if if it's cold food, then mm. you should eat it when it's cold. And if yeah. it's hot food, you should eat it when it's hot. And I don't like not, I don't like like lukewarmy kind of stuff. So so hot food I tend to wolf down. But yeah. I Twix, without a doubt, the only way to eat a Twix is to bite the biscuit off the bottom and then roll the toffee and the um, chocolate into a ball and then eat the ball. Music to my bloody ears. <laughs> that, you're correct. That is the only way to eat a Twix. Yeah. I was taught that as a child by one of my mum's friends, Judy Lungmus. And um, she also taught me how on a walk to um, spear a cow pat with a stick and spin good it woman. off. Yeah, really good woman. Um, she taught me all sorts of 
borderline cheeky things like that. Um, yeah, and she, I, I've had, I've got into arguments with people that don't eat a Twix in the right way. <laughs> it's so right. Why would you leave the biscuit till last when you yeah. can effectively have? You know, a, a child's fist's worth of just the caramel and the chocolate. And the biscuit is just the vessel for that, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. it's a bed for the important person <laughs> exactly. that sleeps on it. Um, have you ever used a food as a weapon <laughs> or as part of a prank? If you've got three siblings, was it? Yes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love it if that was the end of your answer. <laughs> yes. Um, but that's actually, for legal reasons, all I can say. <laughs> no, we. I remember being in Italy in a sailing regatta, um, dinghy sailing regatta, that all, we all went for a, a dinner in a local chateau or something. Every course was grey. It was the most, you know, oh, Italy, wow. Italy is famous for its food, but it was the most yeah. vile food ever. No. Um, every course was grey and so you know everything got a bit rowdy and that was probably the biggest food fight I've ever been in ever <gasps> amazing <laughs> grey missiles in every direction just yeah. the dry items or all items including <laughs> wet items oh it got to wet items by the end as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> I can't imagine going for a rubbish dinner in Italy mm, disappointing Sorry for you <laughs> um, five second rule yes or no depends where I am five okay. second rule at home yes five second rule on the inside of the boat mm, probably not really no. gets really grubby does it in there well so I don't have um, I don't have a toilet so I have okay. to wee in a bucket um, right. and the bucket is in my living accommodation where I eat yeah fair enough <laughs> <clears throat> yeah to be honest I think anyone who's answered yes very quickly to the five second rule on here probably if they were asked what if it had been rolled in your own wee would say actually no actually can I can I answer again <sighs> hangover what are you having oh it has to be stodge like yeah huge amounts of toast and Lovely. maybe proper chip shop chips oh yeah fried, fried egg too oh yeah fried egg on toast next to some chip shop chips i might do that next hangover what an excellent idea and nothing on there is it, the ratio of color in that plate as well <laughs> goes from white to beige to depending on the quality of your egg orange yeah. doesn't it as well you've got such a limited rainbow <laughs> it, it sounds bloody delish I love a fried egg I haven't had one for ages oh fried egg um, on top of lentils is really good oh yes that's a great shout um, I've got in this lockdown to um, actually less so now that spring is sprung but um, I get a fruit and veg box and I don't know what's coming in it it's like one where you get surprise items and um I've got so many different root vegetables through the autumn for so long. So many turnips, so many beetroots and rainbow beetroots and stuff that I've got into trying to find other things to do with them than soups or roasts. So um, like grating them and making a rusty 
Oh, yeah. Like, and squeezing all the liquid out and then, yeah, and making it really crispy and a fried egg on that is lovely as well. Yes, they belong together. Yeah, excellent. Um, have you ever eaten, well, this might, you might, it, it was, you were a teenager last time you ate meat, but have you ever eaten anything while it was still alive? Oh, No. 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 <laughs> Fair play. Um, And this is someone who does such a survivally type job. Um, If it was no other option, would you eat a person? No. Really? No. 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 100% no. Rather starve to death than eat a person. I'd just find something else to eat. What if someone had cooked them into a sausage roll that just smelt like a sausage roll and you were starving? Mm, I'd eat the pastry from around the outside. Yeah. <laughs> very definitive. It's a very absolute answer. It's, you know, it's a very fun question to ask. Well, it's obviously a fun question to ask anyone. Otherwise, I wouldn't be asking it. But um, also, I really like that... Um, um, I like it when you get very extreme yes or no answer to that. And I have had some extreme yeses. I've had people go, yes, and this is how I butcher them. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> Um, you're you're very welcome to say no thank you to answering the question even but I ask almost everyone that I talk to but would you say that you've always had a reasonably good relationship with eating or has it ever been complicated at any point um I think I I think most people have a slightly complicated relationship with it Almost Um, everyone, I would say. And I definitely, I comfort eat. And, you know, I think at the times in my life when I've really been struggling with my mental health, then I I overeat. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that that's, I I don't think there's anything, um, I think that's pretty universal and... Uh, normal and not unhealthy like I think there's so much joy to be taken from eating that it's and especially during like hard times it's like whether I remember a therapist saying to me once where there is joy take joy and I think it's quite a nice outlook to often be found in the fridge yes um on that note it's not in the fridge but you've also sent me some freeze-dried fruit for put so I want to taste that I've got lychee, peach and raspberry. That yeah. is pretty snazzy. I sent you that one because I don't like lychees and I'm trying to get rid of them. Oh! <laughs> Are the lychees the ones that look like a little bumpy red eyeball? Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, they're wrong. They're like really that. wrong. They're wrong? Hmm. They taste a bit soapy, as I remember. I don't think I've had one since being a child. They do look wanna... a bit like the raspberry, so it's quite hard to okay. work out I'm what's gonna... what. I'm going to shake a few items out, just onto the table, like a trollop. I'm going to photograph these as well, and then we'll see how we go. They're quite beautiful, actually. Yeah. I've just finished watching the um, the Great British Pottery Throwdown series on Channel 4 about amateur potters. And um, it made me think of that. I reckon that one might be... That's a lychee. Yeah. Right. Okay, I'm saving it to last. I'm trying raspberry first. Mmm. Yum. Oh, it's so tangy. It is. That's a nice... Yeah. That's a nice tangy treat for if everything you're eating is all salty on the boat, isn't it? Yeah. It's really woken me up. 
That looks like an apple. That's a bit of apple, surely. Pear, isn't it? Oh, not on the list. Oh, it's really nice. That's really nice. That's a bit sweeter. It's just really boring for you watching me try bits of <laughs> I'm expecting sweetness from this peach. Mmm. My, do you know my? I've got a five-year-old, and he is going to love these. This stuff's marketed very much as like a healthy kid snack. Yeah. And it works in the sense that there's a cupboard, and like this is a cupboard where any chocolate or biscuits or crisps would be. And he's like, "I'm hungry," and you go, "All right, do you want a bit of toast or an apple?" And he'll go, "No, I want something from the cupboard." And the only thing from the cupboard, like the trick has been to get loads of stuff like this yeah. and put it in the cupboard. And so psychologically, this counts as something from the cupboard. It's a treat. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try lychee. I remember when lychees first came to Swanage. <laughs> it I wasn't. didn't know they made it there, yeah? They are. There's been a lychee in Swanage. It's probably, to be honest, it's probably been... Forced back out again <laughs> by some some You're, really old yeah. some 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 people with sort of really ruddy knuckles and pitchforks. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna, I'll get some stick from my stepdad for saying that. Right. Mm. I remember my nana buying buying some lychees from a grocer's called Country Mile on the high street in Swanage, and it was really exciting. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Oh. Well, I'm, it is, I'm, I'm quite happy. Oh, hang on. It, it is weird. Mm. I, mean, I don't dislike it, but it is weird. It is a bit... It sort of tastes of soap and herbs. Mm. I was. I had, to, <laughs> I had to pick them all out and throw them over the side. Really? Yeah, I really don't like them. Oh. I wonder if you've given any types of fish in the sea a new lychee addiction. Quite possibly. I might have yeah. started a new genetic hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind it, but I don't mind it in the context of all those other familiar flavours. I don't know if there needs to be a fruit that tastes of herbs, though. I can see your point. I probably would have endured them and morphed them all up. Um, thank you for sending me... Uh, do you know what, actually, as I'm saying that, I am becoming more aware of an aftertaste, Pip. <laughs> I did warn you. <laughs> That's a bit much, isn't it? I don't can't remember the last time I ate something where the sort of negative side of its flavour just increases over time. Oh, dear. Um, tell me about a time, if there were, ever was one, where you ate something out of awkwardness or embarrassment. Ah... Uh. <laughs> So I um, I went to, so my, I'm a vegetarian and the only food in the whole world that I absolutely will not eat, I can't, I really struggle to get it past my lips, is yeah. um, mushrooms. They just, right. I mean, I hate them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... Um, I write for I write for a sailing magazine, and, and part of my work for them is I have to go off and test different boats. Right. And I went to Sweden, um, and I did a two-day boat test on this quite flash cruising boat. And the owner of the company came with me. It was just me and him. 
and turns out anyway he's a bit of a feeder and he spent he spent the whole time cooking and saying what's the next meal what's the next meal nobody had told well i hadn't told him that he hadn't asked nobody had asked what i ate and um so literally i had three meals with him all of them all of them were meat based and, oh no and one of them was pork and mushroom <laughs> And you just put, did you just eat it? I was, you... I was too embarrassed not to. I just, <gasps> I kind of pushed it around my plate. I hid it under, but you're on a boat. You know, there's no, yeah. you, you can't, you, we weren't putting the stuff over the side. It goes <sighs> in the bin. You know, I was desperately trying to do the washing up so you couldn't see what I wasn't eating. Oh, but I, in the end, I, I had I had to eat some of it because we couldn't go shopping. Like we were, off, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was it. That was all the food that was on board and it was just me and him and I felt so awkward. So <sighs> I ate it, yeah. Oh, my crumbs alive. Oh, there's nothing worse than in a work context as well, effectively yeah. your employer <laughs> and trapped out at sea with them for two days with the with nothing but pork and mushrooms. And it just kept coming too. He just was obsessed oh with feeding me. It's awful. Oh no! <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I'd have probably been tempted to have faked a tummy problem. <laughs> not so good on a boat either, though. Yeah, not so good. Yeah, that again. There's so few options. I imagine you did run through all of them. You're like, yeah, yeah I don't want to tell yeah. him I've got the shits. He's trapped on a boat with me. A really posh boat that's his boat. Oh, God. I love it. Right. Well, I've kept you for ages. I've loved this. Thank you so much for letting me inside your amazing brain. Um, and for sending me this futuristic food. It feels so futury. I'm in my time. A terrible army of 7.68 billion ghosts, one for each alive person, decides to haunt us, one-to-one haunting, by standing next to us and drumming for 24 hours a day, loud. At first, it's quite fun. Quite a lot of dancing and stuff happens. But after an hour or so, people start to go genuinely bloody mad and riots start breaking out. Violence and crying everywhere. It's a disaster. The ghosts agree to pack it in, but... Um, at, at least not to start before 9am <laughs> but only if you and weirdly it does have to be you um, agree to finally carry the Elgin marbles back to Greece all by yourself one by one without a break it sounds impossible but you do it you're a hero your reward is a place in the in the whole of the planet's hearts for saving us from this one-to-one noisy haunting. Um, And your reward in the moment, though, is the feast of your dreams. And bearing in mind, that was very heavy work, that Elgin Marbles, and you didn't get a break, so you are starving. So it's almost the opposite of a last meal in the sense that you couldn't be happier and you couldn't be hungrier. Um, And this is the feast of your dreams. It's a fantasy feast. I don't want anything you choose for this feast to have any consequences. I don't care about ethics. I certainly don't care about health, any of that. It doesn't even have to be possible, the answers to this. I'd love to know in a fantasy scenario like that, what you'd eat, what you'd drink. And if there's a who, with and where, then who, with and where, please. Okay, so uh, enjoying food for me is actually more about the company than the food. It That's really lovely. is. I 
I just I love there's nothing that makes me happier than having like 10 friends around to dinner you know all the kids sitting there conversations all around the table so I would want a massive dining room table with like all of my friends and family from all over the world there they all get flown in yes and then we just have the biggest roast dinner ever so we've got potatoes parsnips carrots cauliflower cheese leeks uh roast beetroot um peas you've got to have peas Mm. um all just all down the table and then everyone can have a choice of whatever they want they can have meat they can have fish they can have just a big bowl of gravy um and the meal would go on for a day at least yes yes a banquet and i get to stand up and just keep walking around the table so i can sit with different friends at different times and that would make me really happy oh i love it well i think that's going to ring true with lots of people who are missing their families at the moment yeah a lovely answer thank you so much for talking to me and for your fascinating insights. Thank you for asking me. Mmm, delicious. What an amazing woman Pip is. It was an honour to steal her time and her special sailing lunch that day. Find her on social media. You can uh, track her races and all the other projects, see all the things she's up to there. Um, Pip uh, Hare, and the hair is H-A-R-E, and she's Pip Hare Ocean Racing on Instagram and Twitter, or as ever, there are links in the podcast notes. As there are links in the podcast notes to everything interesting that we mentioned um, in this episode. Um, If you want to support the podcast financially, you are so welcome. Become a patron. Um, Or go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod. Or on ACAST support, you can do a one of ten or a five or something. Bit of fun. Follow us on social media at the hoovering pod. Follow me at Jessica Fosterkew. I have got tour dates rescheduled. I've got some London ones coming out soon um, for a bit of a big biggie thing I'm doing with my show Hench that was cut short at the beginning of the pandemic and I'm seeing it out with like I think eight official tour dates the end of July, beginning of August. All of that information and the means to send me anything longer of a tweet, which is an email, is all on my website, jessicafosterkew.com. Thanks again to Pip for being such an amazing guest and for talking to me. Huge thanks to ACAST for hosting the podcast. Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy hoovering. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.